Welcome to the Bible and Life podcast, where we give blue jeans theology. That is theology that's connected to everyday life so that you can know God and follow Jesus. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, and I pray that it helps you grow in your faith and become more like Jesus. And if you're a regular listener to the show, man, thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. And if you find this podcast to be a really great benefit to your life of faith, would you just share it out on social media or share it with a friend, maybe even text a friend right now and say, hey, there's this podcast I listen to that I think you would really enjoy and just invite other people to become a part of the Bible and Life family as well. All right, we are beginning a brand new series on this uh, episode, and that series is going to deal with big Bible words, some of those big Bible words that we only hear in church, we only read in the Bible that Maybe we're not totally sure what they mean. Maybe we have a kind of a rough idea what they mean, but it would be helpful to have a really deep, insightful idea of what they mean. So we're beginning that series today, and we're going to begin today with a word that is very common, and maybe we have kind of a partial meaning of it, but not a full meaning of it. And so I want to kind of bring that word to life a little bit, and I want to set things up by starting with a little story About, oh, I don't know, 20 months ago, maybe a little more than that, uh, my son and his wife showed up at our house one evening, and uh, they walked in the door, and they were kind of trying to be subdued and all that, but it seemed like there was something they wanted to tell us, so they told us they had some news that they wanted to share with us, and they produced a coffee mug, and the coffee mug had these words written on it. It said, Most Awesome Grandparents. And immediately we knew what they were announcing to us. They were letting us know that they were pregnant and that we were going to be grandparents. And man, that was some good news. We were super excited. We couldn't believe it. Hugs all around, right? Exciting times in the Whitaker household. Good news indeed. And that's the way news works. It's something we announce. It's it's an announcement of something that has happened. A new state of affairs has come to pass. Maybe perhaps it's news Uh, that indeed you're cancer-free, right? That you had a a cancer diagnosis, you'd gone through the treatment, now it's been six months, a year since the treatment was over, they did your scan, and word came back, cancer-free. Big news, good news, you're going to announce that. Or maybe you've been unemployed for three, four, five months, six months, a year, and finally, after a series of interviews, you've gotten hired, you have a job, Man, good news. That's big news to announce. Well, the word we want to look at today is that kind of word. It's a word that has to do with announcing news, particularly good news. And the word is the Bible word gospel. We rarely use that word outside of church or outside of the Bible. It's a a uniquely kind of religious word to us, but originally it wasn't. Originally it was just a, a basic meaning Uh, a basic word that meant good news. And so even those of us who have been around the church for a while, we, we may know that that's the definition of the word gospel, that gospel means good news. And we often get that part right, but then I think sometimes we're not totally sure on what the news is. And the way sometimes in the church we've presented the gospel, we've almost made it more good advice than necessarily good news, right? So we announce, you know, that, oh, that Jesus has a great plan for your life, and 
if you will do your life his way, like pray like this and do marriage like this and raise your kid like this, man, your life will go better for you. And that's good advice. That's not good news. And maybe we need some good advice, but that's not the gospel. And not only that, sometimes we we have made the gospel out to be what we call a plan of salvation. And usually the plan of salvation is something along the lines of, you know, people have sinned. Jesus died for their sins. If you believe in Jesus and his death, then he'll forgive your sins and you'll go to heaven when you die. And we call that the gospel. But that's not the gospel that the early uh, Christians first proclaimed. And really, when you listen to that, that's not even really news. Again, that's more like advice. Here's some advice for your life. If you'll believe in Jesus, then he'll take you to heaven when you die. So that's some good advice that you need to take and you need, therefore, to believe. That's not news. News is about something that happened that uh, ushered in Uh, brought in a brand new state of affairs. And that's what the word gospel means. It means to announce what happened. It's to declare or announce what happened to start spreading the news. This is the picture that shows up in, say, for example, Isaiah 52.7 about proclaiming the gospel. Isaiah 52.7 uses the picture of a herald, a news proclaimer who's traveling from little village to village announcing the news. This is Isaiah 52, 7. It reads like this. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. There's your herald, right? He is this uh, news announcer who's kind of running from village to village over the, the hillsides, letting people know the news. And he's letting people know something that happened. This particular herald comes announcing peace. He brings good news of happiness and salvation, deliverance. And he says to Zion, your God reigns. And so the picture in Isaiah 52, 7 is of a herald playing off the imagery, say, of uh, war has been put down. Our king has won a great victory, right? He's playing off that imagery that was so common in their world. And he's announcing good news. But in this case, he's announcing specifically that God reigns, that God's kingdom has come and God is in charge now. And that is good news of peace and joy and salvation. Well, that passage, that imagery, sets the direction for how the word gospel is used in the New Testament. And so, right from the beginning, in Luke chapter 2, we get an announcement of news, right? The angel is announcing that a child has been born, and not just any child, a royal child. And so, the angel is playing the role of news proclaimer, Harold, and he says this, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. And so he's going to announce some news. What's the news? Well, here it is. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 2, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, Just notice this news. This news is about a birth of a child born in the city of David. 
Well, right there, in their context, right, bells and whistles are going off. The city of David. David is the great king, the king in whose line the Messiah is coming. So this is probably a royal birth. So for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a savior. And this savior has these titles, Christ the Lord. Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew Messiah. It means anointed one, anointed as king. And so this is a royal birth. That's the news. And so the angel comes and declares the news that a king has been born. Well, the four Gospels, Luke is one of the four Gospels, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four Gospels. Well, the four Gospels then, what they do is they tell the story. If you read the four Gospels, there's no plan of salvation. They are a story, and they tell the news story specifically about uh, of what God is doing. And from the very beginning of the story, they announce that God's kingdom is at hand. His kingdom is coming. Your God reigns. Your God is becoming king. And the four gospels tell the news story how how God in and through Jesus is crowned king. That's what the gospels do. And so they tell that whole news story about that, uh, that fact, about what happened. And that's the same news that the apostles announce in the book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts and you listen to the, the uh, preaching of the apostles in the book of Acts, they don't announce a new religion. They don't even necessarily announce a plan of salvation. They spread the news about what had happened. In fact, you see that right from the beginning in Acts chapter 2, the very first sermon um, on the day of Pentecost, Peter and the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gives them utterances, it says, and it, it, it draws a crowd around them. Well, Peter is explaining what happened, uh, what's happening, and that leads him then up to telling the story of Jesus. And so he says in Acts 2.22, the men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus from Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him in your presence, in your midst, just as you yourself know. This is fact. This is stuff that you saw, you experienced, right? We're proclaiming it in the very city where it happened. These people knew Jesus. They heard him teach. Well, this man was de delivered over by God's plan, and he begins to tell how Jesus then was crucified. You guys put him to death. Verse 24, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. That's the news. Um, he goes on, he quotes some Old Testament to make the point, and then he says in verse 33 of Acts 2, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the, what the Father promised, the Holy Spirit, he's poured out what you see in here. And then the sermon ends in verse 36 by saying, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Notice where the sermon ends with those titles, Lord and Christ, Messiah, King, ruler of all, the world's true Lord. This is the news. And it's not just theory. It's based on the fact that he is risen from the dead. This is what it meant to proclaim the gospel for the early Christians. It meant to announce the news that God in Christ had defeated sin and death, the devil and all the forces of evil, and that now a whole new state of affairs has 
broken into this world. And so they, they travel about declaring the news, not declaring a new religion, not even declaring a plan of salvation, not just giving good advice. They declare what happened. That's what it means to proclaim the gospel. So, for example, you see that again in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Peter has been summoned to the house of a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. He's a Gentile. This is the first time a non-Jew, a Gentile, is going to believe the gospel and hear the gospel. Well, Peter's been summoned to preach to him, and so he he tells the story of Jesus. Verse 38 of Acts chapter 10. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We're witnesses of these things. And they put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand, those that is, those who ate and drank with him after God raised him up from the dead. Well, that's the news that God has in Christ um, done this great thing, won this great victory, and now um, Jesus is king. And so they're announcing um, that God has done this in Christ. They're announcing the news of what happened among them, what they've heard. You hear the same thing, even in a more unique sermon in Acts chapter 17, Peter or Paul is in the city of Athens in Greece. He's standing before some of the leaders and the rulers of the city, and these are non-Jews. They don't have really all the background in the scriptures, but they're very religious. And so Paul starts there with their own religious interests and works up again to Jesus so that he can announce the news. Um, and so he says at the end of all of this, uh, his message there in Athens, he says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men everywhere that they should repent. Because he's fixed a day by which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Well, there's the news. Um, now, those people in Athens began to snicker and sneer because, you know, dead people don't come back to life. That's foolishness. Uh, and yet, that is the news that they went about announcing. So, the gospel is the story of Jesus. And the heart of that story is how Jesus went to the cross and died and how God raised him from the dead. And now he is Lord and Christ. He is king over all things. Your God reigns. That's the heart of the gospel. And that's good news that God has reclaimed his throne and that God is now ruling over all things in the person of Jesus Christ. So God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, therefore, is the world's true king and Lord. Repent and believe the gospel. The repenting and the believing aren't the gospel. They're the appropriate response to the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus won the great victory, and now he's king over all things. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Now, it's obvious that this gospel is part of a much larger story, the whole story of the world, right? The whole story of the world as told in the Bible, that uh, the world 
revolted against God, and therefore a curse now lies upon the whole world. I've summarized this story more completely and more fully than I can here in my Learn the Word course. Part one of that gives kind of an overview of the Bible. But that's it in a nutshell, is that this, the whole world lies under a curse. God called a people to himself who were supposed to be uh, uh, the people of the solution, that is the people of Israel, but they too were revolted and rebelled against God. They become part of the problem. And so God has narrowed down the focus to one person, the ultimate Israelite, the true seed of Abraham, Jesus himself. And Jesus now is not just any old person, he's God himself in the flesh. And he goes to the cross and allows evil to do its worst that it possibly can to him, and he absorbs that curse into himself and then comes back to life and brings blessing into this world. He's reversed the curse and he's brought a blessing to this world by virtue of his death, burial, and resurrection. So this gospel is part of a much larger story, and we need to understand that whole story to feel the full force of it. But in a nutshell, that's the gospel, that God raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the devil. He's the world's true king, reigning over all, and you need to put your confidence and your faith in him. You need to trust him and follow him. That gospel is incredibly multifaceted. You could look at it from multiple angles. There's implications, you know, and so much more could be said, right? Like, for example, when we look at the story of the gospel, we look at the news, what does it tell us about the nature of our God who reigns? Well, it tells us that he won the victory not by exerting just might and power, but he won the great victory by the sheer power of self-giving love. He laid down his life for us, right? That's one facet of this big gospel story. But the heart of the gospel is the news about what happened in Jesus. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And that's what we announce as the gospel. We announce the news about Jesus, that God was in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, that God in Jesus um, defeated death, and he has brought his kingdom to this world. The kingdom of God is here. Your God reigns. God's kingdom has come. And so we now, in great confidence, we live out the gospel. We live that God has won the great victory, and that becomes the basis of our life in Christ. We are gospel people. We know the news. We know what happened. We believe what happened. We trust what happened. And we know that because of what happened, we, we can believe what God said will happen in the future. And that's the heart of the gospel. So to proclaim the gospel is to de- declare the news, to announce the news about something that actually happened that has brought a whole new state of affairs into the world. That's why Jesus' final words to his apostles, and by extension to us who are his followers today, are this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's the king. He reigns over all things. All authority has been given to him. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples, meaning make followers of Jesus, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And so if you stumbled onto this podcast and you haven't yet believed the gospel, that's the appropriate response. You turn away from doing life your own way, from trusting any other king. You put your faith in Jesus and you trust the gospel. You put your confidence in Jesus as king and Lord, and you mark that out by being baptized, and then you spend your life learning how to obey him. That's what it means to respond to the gospel. And so those of us who are followers of Jesus, we preach the gospel by announcing the news and we invite people, therefore, to respond to the gospel by submitting to King Jesus and following King Jesus. That's what the gospel is all about. Well, I'm sure much more could be said about the gospel and some of the implications of the gospel and some of the details of the gospel, but that's the heart of it all. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible and Life. Thanks again to each and every one of you who are regular supporters of this show, who either donate through my Patreon page or who donate through my website. I've got some other free sources there on my website if you want to check that out. In fact, I've got a Bible reading plan right on the homepage that if you're looking for a Bible reading plan that'll help you follow King Jesus, that's what that reading plan is all about. In fact, it'll even help you help others follow King Jesus. I actually put it together originally for that very purpose as a kind of a discipleship tool to help you help others follow Jesus. So you can check that out as well. Thanks again for being a part of the Bible and Life family. God bless you guys, and we will talk again soon.